listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Uh, my name is Josh Gray. Get the privilege of being the lead servant at this amazing church called Real Life. And uh, we're f- continuing on in our Rooted Sermon series. I hope you guys are taking hold of this. I hope you guys are uh, investing in this in your life to be rooted in your faith at a deeper and deeper level. And so we want you to have deep roots in your faith. And we want you to have good fruit that would pour out amongst what God has you doing in your life. And so we're trying to make sure we're equipping the saints for these good works. And so we started off quick Quick review, you can catch them all online. Uh, we said that you should read your Bible, and we, m- many of us started on a 19-day journey in the Bible project, uh, and the kind of the theme of this was dig your well before you're thirsty. Dig your spiritual well before you're thirsty, not just for yourself, but you may also need to offer a drink to somebody else out of what God has poured into you through the text. And so we challenge you to do that, and by the way, we'll be kicking off a new all-church study uh, that'll be uh, pertinent to this message today uh, as soon as we figure out um, some of the bugs that are going on with our, our app that we're doing that with. But that should be coming out this week. And for love for you guys to join that, if you made real life your church, you'll get like a notification, hey, your church has just started this new 10-day study. And so I'd love for you to join us with that. Next time we talked about was being rooted in prayer. And the main theme of this is that prayer is not uh, an event. Prayer is a lifestyle. It's something that you do all the time. It's constant communication with the Lord. And sometimes it's part of um, adoration. Sometimes it's part of confession. Sometimes it's part of thanksgiving. And sometimes it's supplication where you're asking the Lord to intervene on something uh, specifically. And then we talked about uh, repentance. And we talked about returning to the path. That repentance means to turn back from what you were doing and get back onto the path that God has for you. And then Adam uh, preached on worship and that true worship is not prompted by what we feel, but by who God is. And so that was a great message. Last week, I talked about being rooted in community, that you were designed to be uh, designed to not do life alone. And so at our church, we'll hear that this is community part two. What's interesting is we've kind of pushed these sermon series out and we know the topic ish of what we're going to talk about, and it's listed on my little sermon uh, Excel spreadsheet, and we kind of know what's coming. And oftentimes, the Lord will let me have an experience before that message so I can preach it with a little bit more passion. So, this week we're talking about forgiveness and why it matters for community to operate well in forgiveness. Um... Last week, I was in a rough spot. I'm not that great at being fake anymore. When you're a pastor of a church called Real Life, guess what? (laughs) Like, real life happens to you, even if you're the pastor. And many of you last week, as as I was mingling and uh, connecting, were like, hey, you know, I'm doing my thing. How are you doing? Great. You're like, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm just okay. I'm not great. I'm not awesome. I'm just okay. I'm like, you know, I'm here. And as I was thinking about this and, and, and really, really wrestling with my week, I, I, I have asked the Lord back in 2005 when I had come out of a pretty dark time of deception. I was like, Lord, don't, don't let me be fake anymore. 
I don't want to have to put on a mask or a filter. I didn't even know about TikTok or any of these other cool things you could do then. But like, I don't want to be fake anymore. Like, that's a, they don't always get to see the best side of me. They get to see the real side of me. And so the Lord answered that prayer, and I'm not very great at being fake anymore. Last week, uh, as, as I was struggling through the pain of my previous Thursday, I had a, a visit on Thursday, and I was rocked by it. Um, I was rocked by it. It was so heavy still on my soul, and I was not the greatest person to be around that last weekend. And uh, my poor wife got to experience that with me because I went through this range of emotions. Now, the conversation really, like what happened is very uh, minor compared to like how I reacted to it and what I was, the emotions I was going through. And so I'm not saying that that was never the intent of this conversation, but this is how I reacted to it. Um, I was confused. I was surprised. I was, uh, I was angry. I was, I, and the whole weekend, I was just quick-tempered. Like I was trying to build these steps, which I'm not the greatest builder in the world. And I was so mad at those steps for no good reason. You know, screw, of course the screw doesn't go in the right way. Of course. Only me. You know, it's just, and like trying to cut something. Okay, yeah, measure once, cut twice, go to the lumber store, buy some more lumber. Of course. Like everything is against me, Lord. Why? And my poor wife got to experience that building opportunity with me. We called it a marriage builder. <laughs> you know, angry, anger is a secondary emotion. I was taught this. So like, you're like, I'm angry. You got to back up and you got to ask for the primary, the, 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 the primary emotion. What happened before the anger? And as I started trying to ask myself that question, I was like, well, what happened before the anger? Well, I felt... How did I feel? And I don't, like, you're, you're putting your feelings out there. You're not really sure. Like, let me throw these out there. Is that accurate? No, that's not accurate. Is that accurate? No, that's not accurate. I felt abandoned. I felt betrayed. I felt, well, all of these feelings that I had out there, I wasn't angry. I felt these other things. And I, uh, I let them impact my, my, I let them impact me for five days. I was, just felt like I was almost paralyzed for five days. And what a bummer as the pastor of a church, you know what comes every week? Sunday. <laughs> Get up here and be spiritual. Get up here and have the Holy Spirit just flowing out of you every time. And just, yes, 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 yes. I wanted to crawl in a hole on Sunday morning. I wanted to hide. I, I just had a brother earlier. He's like, that message was great last week. I'm like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, because like, that was not my message, because I, my message would have been something that would have cleared the house here. And so as you're working through these uh, emotions, this range of emotions that I had, I was stuck. I could not pray my way out of those feelings. I couldn't worship my way out of those feelings. I tried I couldn't read my way out of those feelings. I had to sit there and sit in it for five days. I had to attempt to preach through it. My self-talk was brutal. I'm here early at 6.30, kind of refreshing myself on my sermon, going through that, and here's the thoughts that are going through my mind. Some pastor you are, dude. 
what are you even doing in ministry? And like the self-talk was just like, woo! It was fire and arrows just coming at me. And I was like, I'm not even qualified. Get out of here. Like all of this stuff just coming down and coming upon, upon me that I brought on myself. Because guess who you talk to the most? You. <laughs> and what are you saying to you? And you want to know how I crawled out of this on Monday afternoon? Forgiveness. I crawled out of it through forgiveness. The other party didn't ask for forgiveness. I don't think they need to. Like, I had to work myself through forgiveness of of how I was treating myself, of what my thoughts were about the other party, all these things. I had to claw my way out through forgiveness. And this is why forgiveness is essential in community, because it would have never happened had I not opened myself up and been close with these folks or close to, like none of that would ever happen if I could have just been in the mountains by myself. No, in community, you need to become excellent at forgiveness. Forgiveness is something you have to have rooted in your life. To offer forgiveness and then actually to receive forgiveness. Some people stink at receiving forgiveness. Like, that's my, I'm holding on to that burden forever. It's mine and it's heavy, but I'm holding on to it. You know, psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or a group who has harmed you. God calls us to forgive. And when you choose to be in community, you choose the option of learning how to practice forgiveness of receiving and giving it. The disciples were, were aware of this. They asked Jesus, how many times shall I forgive my brothers and sisters? Let's go and let's take a look at what our rabbi says about forgiving brothers and sisters. We're going to be in Matthew 18, 25 to 31. The whole little parable here, the parable of the unmerciful servant. So then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times Shall I forgive a brother or sister who sins against me? Like, I'm willing to go up to seven. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. That's a lot. Thank goodness my wife obeys by this because she's had that opportunity. Therefore, and then he goes on to tell a story. He's like, oh, 77 times. Oh, you didn't get it? He probably looks at him. He's like, they're not getting it. Not getting it. Peter's not getting it. Rockhead. Okay. Okay, Peter. Let me give you a parable. Here's how this works. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, what's cool about our sermon club is we can dive into some more things and talents and gold and money and all those things. Today's dollars, the guy was in the hole about $40 million to the king. Right? $40 million. Next one. Since he was not able to repay, duh, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children all had to be sold to repay that debt. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Yeah, right. 
The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Forty million. It's okay. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, like 700 bucks. Forty million? Seven hundred bucks. That's my math. I'm not sure you can quote me on that, but what's silver? Say, say they're an ounce, seven dollars an ounce? I don't know. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay it back. The same thing that he said to the master. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to do. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had it on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I, wish, I just wish Jesus could make it clear to us how important forgiveness was. How critical it is. How critical it is for the person that, that receives it and how critical it is for the person who asked of it. When you look at the act of forgiveness, it usually involves a couple of parties. There's the offender, the offended, God's involved in everything, and then there's ourselves. I think the person I have the most difficult time forgiving is myself. Someone else can free you of the offense and say, I forgive you, we are good. And yet, you can't forgive yourself. And if you can't forgive yourself, you don't represent God well. When you're carrying all of this burden and all of this weight on your shoulders from these decisions and choices that you've made throughout your life that you know hurt someone, that weight changes who you are. So when you think about forgiveness, it's important to understand what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. And there's a bunch of really cool studies, and I'll cite one of them here uh, from, uh, there's st- studies from Stanford and the Mayo Clinic, and lots of different folks have done studies on forgiveness. But here's what forgiveness is not. It's not a feeling. You usually don't feel like forgiving someone or being forgiven. It's a choice. You have to choose to forgive. Regardless if it was asked of us, choosing to not forgive is like you drinking poison and hoping the other, per- hoping the other person dies. Choosing not to forgive rots the roots of your faith and can lead to the death of it. See, unforgiveness in your life doesn't allow you to grow deep with the Lord. 
doesn't allow you to have deep roots. When you don't have deep roots, you don't produce good fruit. Forgiveness does not mean that you have to trust the same way as you did before. Hurt is real. Betrayal is real. Some of us have forgiven some pretty horrible things that have happened to us. You don't need to put yourself in that position again. Forgiveness doesn't mean you go back to the abuse. It means you understand that you were abused and you offer forgiveness to that person, but you don't have to put yourself back in that position. Forgiveness does not mean that things go back to how they were before. It doesn't equal restoration. It's a pathway to the beginning of possible restoration, but it doesn't mean that things always go back to the way they were before. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the hurt didn't happen and that everything is healed. You don't just get us, oh, I forgive you. Aren't we just great now? Can't we just go back to the way we were? Let me just force it right through there. No. Your body doesn't forget the hurt. Your mind doesn't just can't just forget it. Well, just forgive and forget. That's a lie. Forgiveness does not erase your memory of the offense. Forgiveness does not condone or excuse the offense. It doesn't mean that you're okay with what happened. It doesn't condone or excuse it. And it doesn't mean that you will tolerate that offense again and that you're ready to just be offended again and again. You don't have to do those things. So what is forgiveness? What does forgiveness actually do? Well, first of all, it's part of the acknowledgement. Acknowledgement of how you are affecting people around you in your community and how they are affecting you. It requires sometimes communication. You know, one of the beautiful things about our restoration night is there's a, a thing that I would just beg every one of you to go through called a step study. It's a short six-month class. And you usually go through it with five to eight people. And one of the most powerful and painful points of a step study, where you either quit or you're all in, is this thing called inventory. And you have a partner that you are assigned or find that you do your inventory with. And you go through this inventory of your life, and you go through your life in the areas that you've hurt others. And you start listing them out. And boy, do you need a big spreadsheet sometimes. And you go through these major things as God is bringing them to you. And this takes time. It takes weeks to do this sometime. And you go through all of these things and you list out all of the offenses that you can think of, ways that you've maybe offended or hurt somebody. You list them all out. And then the next part is you, you go through and you list out all the ways that you've been hurt and offended. And now you have these giant lists sometimes. And now throughout through these lists, you get the opportunity to try and figure out who and what and how you can make it right with the people you've offended and those that have offended you. And guess what that entails a lot of? Forgiveness. And you'll see people that come out of a step study, if they've gone through the whole process and done that well, they are freer. They are lighter. They walk differently. They think differently. They function differently because they have worked through a large chunk of stuff. And they know how to continue to work through it because it's not like it's over. It's not like you're not going to add anything new to the list. 
It's not like people are going to stop offending you because you went through a step study. But you know how to work through it. And so what does forgiveness do? It frees you. What did the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords want for you? He wants you to be free of all of the burdens and the heaviness of the things that are going on in this world. He wants you to be free to operate in your gifting. He wants you to be free to talk to the world about him and show what a healing person looks like. I wouldn't say healed, but a healing person looks like. It frees you. It frees you. That's what happened to me Monday afternoon. I got freed. Here's what the Mayo Clinic says about forgiveness. Letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for improved health and peace of mind. Forgiveness can lead to healthier relationships. Thank goodness they did that study. Improved mental health. Less anxiety, stress, and hostility. You hear that word a lot in our culture, anxiety and being anxious. And I have problems with anxiety. I would say if you have problems with anxiety, you might have a lot of problems with forgiveness, receiving and giving forgiveness. Lowers your blood pressure. Thank goodness. People who understand forgiveness have fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, and improved self-esteem. So Jesus is pretty strong about forgiveness, but Paul talks a little bit more about it in Colossians 3.13. He says to bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is pretty critical in the kingdom of God. We talk about the forgiveness and what Jesus did on the cross for all of us for eternity. God's concept of forgiveness is done freely, no strings attached. It's what we're called to do. It's what makes a better community is when we understand and practice forgiveness well. So remember this, forgiveness is a choice. You choose to offer forgiveness. It's not a feeling. Our source of forgiveness is Jesus. It's modeled in the way that Jesus Christ even just functioned on his death. On his death, he's functioning this way in Luke, not in your notes, but Luke uh, 24. Excuse me, not 24. Make sure I got it right. Luke 23, verse 34. So he's getting ready to be crucified. They're going to cast lots for his clothes. He's been treated just beyond horribly. And here's what he says. He says, uh, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Forgiveness at the cross. Psalms 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, which is a long ways, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. You were forgiven. You were forgiven by your Father in heaven that you would model forgiveness in the kingdom of God. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all righteousness. So you want to be like Jesus? You want to be a Christian? You want to be a Christ follower? You got to get on the forgiveness train. You got to be excellent at giving giving forgiveness and excellent at receiving forgiveness. And you'll be freed. You can take off those weights of these offense and all these things that you may be carrying around your entire life and you can be free. You can be free to walk differently, free to view God's creation and our brothers and sisters differently. People who who don't have a spirit of forgiveness look at people skeptically, are anticipating the hurt they're going to receive and how they're going to respond and be angry. Have you ever met somebody that's just like, they have a permanent sour face in their life? They look like they've just been carrying weights forever and ever and ever and ever, and they're just, I wonder what their forgiveness is like. And it comes down to that it's a heart issue. Who has your heart? The world or the Lord Jesus? You want to be like Jesus? You want to have the fruit of the kingdom of God? You want to be like the kingdom of God is like this, somebody that would forgive a $40 million debt? Yeah, that's community. And can you imagine, what would it look like in a community that practices and understands forgiveness in a phenomenal way? How many less offenses that we can... I know, I've probably offended many of you sitting in your seats today right now. Something I did or didn't do or I said or thought or those things like... I'm probably just a a guy who gives plenty of opportunity for others to forgive. But that's how we grow together. Community of believers understands forgiveness and they're rooted in it and it changes the world. And you see all these examples of forgiveness from when the Pope went and forgave in prison the guy who tried to murder him from uh, a, a dinner uh, with the Palestinians and, and, and uh, an Israel guy uh, when accidentally the Palestinian son got killed and he went to his house and they had a meal together and they had a forgiveness meal. And part of us are the little petty things that just keep weighing and stacking on. Well, this person didn't like my comment. They must not be my friend. And part of them are the giant, giant, huge things, but it all comes down to the foundation of forgiveness. So if you want to be like Jesus, you want to call yourself a Christian, you got to be rooted in forgiveness. We're going to take this opportunity to come to the table and have communion together. Now, what's interesting about coming to the table of of communion, uh, we do it in a, a, a worthy manner. You try and make sure that you kind of got your stuff squared away, and it was unfortunate last week when I got to the table. And I had to pass, but today is going to be a sweet day as I get to receive the communion of my Lord and Savior because I was able to work through what it looks like to forgive and to make those relationships right. And so we want to take communion in a worthy manner. And just like I said last week, if you're stuck on something, put this fabulous stuff in your pocket. Don't forget about it and wash it and stain your stuff, but put it in your pocket and you can take it later. 
but go make those relationships right. Or if you're holding something against someone, you may need to forgive someone else who, who hasn't even asked that of you, even though they hurt you. But when we come to the table, we come to the table as a community. So let's do this together. Let's pray real quick. Lord, I ask if there's any unforgiveness in this room amongst any person in here uh, sitting in this room, Lord, that you would help them uh, resolve that. And I ask for these uh, situations outside of this room, whether it's old, old, old family hurt, Lord, whether it's new hurt through a workplace or a place of employment, whether it's when, within spouses, Lord, uh, within children to, children to parents, Lord, I ask that you, that you would just draw us to this good work of forgiveness. That you would help us uh, realize what it feels to be free and why you gave us this gift of forgiveness here on this earth, Lord, through your son. Lord, let the spirit of forgiveness reign amongst this community. Let us become excellent at asking for it and receiving it. Let us model to what the world, to the world, what it looks like to live in community and to forgive. And so, Father, we just ask this in your name as we come to the table. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took this bread and when he given thanks, he said, this is my body. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us remember our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Lord, we remember you. We remember your words in Luke where you said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us. We come to the table, Lord. Again, Father God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity that you gave me, kind of. No, I'm grateful, Lord. I'm grateful as you are moving through this body with the spirit of forgiveness that you move us closer to you as we start to act more like you. We become Christ-like in our thoughts about forgiveness in other people. We become hope dealers and healers through receiving and asking for forgiveness. Lord, help us to change the world. Help us to reach the world for you. One person at a time. As we model forgiveness, we model what it looks like to follow you. Help us to follow you in a powerful way, Lord. We love you. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.